This episode of Let's Think On It comes from an excerpt from O Brother Radio with Will Lockamy, Reed Lockamy, and Dr. Mark Westfall. You know, are you buying the right presents? Are you, are you having to host people? You know, dealing with family members you probably don't like. Lord knows, right? Yeah. You got the list going. So actually, that's where I was going to start. You, you you read my mind, so I was going to ask you guys, like, you know, what is your holiday season like? Well, it's a good question. I mean, we this is the honest truth. We get along with our family really well, so I think the stress for me comes from gifts and stuff like that, which Amazon has taken a ton of that stress yeah. off yeah. of me. I'm just not. I get, honestly, maybe I'm selfish. I don't know. It make, I'm not a great gift giver. Now, this year, I think I knocked it out of the park. Mm. But in general, I think I buy just kind of like the run-of-the-mill type of stuff as opposed to the, as opposed to the really thoughtful the perfect thing. So that, gift. that's my stress is like disappointing people with the gifts I bought. Okay. Yeah. All right. And also, I think a, another thing is because you know, every family has stressors within. I mean, you've got the, this situation that pops up or this person who's difficult. Um, there's that. But I think also... Uh, just the being pulled in so many directions, right? There's so many things that happen during the holiday season, having to prioritize it. You know, my my wife, for example, is is much more of an introvert than I am. Um, so for me, you know, like I like going and doing all these things, but for her, that's something, you know, that is that is stress inducing sometimes. Right. So it's interesting to try right. to get all that balanced. So so, so requirements. I'm hearing. I'm he- what I'm hearing is requirements. Yep. Purchasing. That's for me. Uh, Fama dynamics, although yeah. nothing like like uh, overly pathological, but just the no. typical kind just, of I think every family having to be yeah, around. Just, yeah, mm-hmm. something yeah, that, yeah. you know. Darby, you got anything? Well, my stress during the holiday season mainly comes from, you know, exam time and getting all that stuff done, which I'm done with that now. So it yeah, Darby, a transition period. Though. Darby missed a, a couple of weeks with us because going School. through exams, we always yeah. forget that Darby is a child. I know, I forget it too. And by the <laughs> way, that's a, that's unpaid intern Darby you're hearing there. Sorry, it's my first the first time I've been. I know. You. Um, here you are. Man, two weeks and they forgot to introduce you. Yeah. They forgot to introduce me. <laughs> totally, they just forgot. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you what do you like about the holidays? Any of you? What is what is uh, you know? Generally speaking, I like the cold and a wood burning fire. But okay. obviously, I'm missing out on that thanks to El Nino. Yeah, we're having a little warm set of holidays here. Aren't we? El Nino driving me crazy, and you know, yeah. it doesn't make any sense. I don't understand El Nino, and of course, it's the warming in the Pacific, I believe, maybe. Or I think it is. Yeah, like it's a weather. So of course, pattern. now it's it's causing us all this heat on the East Coast, and of course, the West Coast is having like record cold temperature. And then in February, and March, we're going to have like record. We're supposed cold to get the cold stuff. Yeah, yeah, I don't understand how that works. But either way, I've been legitimately frustrated. With the fact that it's warm outside and I haven't been yeah. able to burn so a fire, you look do, forward. You like the cold. I really do. You yeah. like the cold experience. You, I do. You, you steer into the curve, get the fire going. I like to look at that gear. seven day forecast and have at least a hope that maybe it's going to snow at some point. Right. Yeah. And there's none yeah. of that. Yeah. I uh, and I'll I'll tell you the truth. I I really I love all of it. Honestly, I mean, even though there are some things that can be difficult about it, um, you know, I like the nostalgia of it. Um, all the, um. I, I like seeing everybody. Uh, he, he, this is a weird thing about me, I guess. Even the difficult people, I kind of like seeing because I think of that as like, ooh, this will be exciting to see what happens here, what kinds of things are said or whatnot. Wait, you, you like the family? You're, you're talking about you like a little bit of... 
I don't mind it. Yeah, I mean, Discord I, I like all okay that stuff. With you, you can... Oh, absolutely. That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look, okay. we, we do love our family, but let's say we have a couple of family members, extended family members, that will argue on at a Christmas party, right? This makes me very nervous and makes me want to walk outside oh, yeah. or whatever. Reed, like, feeds. He loves it. I'm a contrarian. I love it. Yeah, I, I, you know, and, and not that I love arguing necessarily, but it's just interesting. It's just interesting, I think. To, and, and listen, also, even some of these same people who I think, like, oh, gosh, I can't believe he's going to say that. They're also my family members, you know, right, so and right. I, we don't see them other times of the year. So I don't know. I, I eat everything. I love the music. I love the food. I love I love everything about the Christmas holiday season. And I'll tell you, if we have a chance later, I'll mention an article I read recently that was fascinating about um, this Christmas celebration, even predating, obviously, the the tie to Christianity and, and sort of like where this whole thing got started. Uh, it was so interesting um, having to do with why humans have this kind of oh, yeah. celebration. Yeah. Well, I'd like to hear that. Actually. Yeah, it's very interesting. Cool. Yeah. I may just need to go straight to that. But. Well, um, my favorite part of the holiday season, which is, I mean, it's definitely not everybody's favorite part, but I, I really do love seeing my like my family that doesn't live in town, especially on my dad's side, my uncle, who just had recently just had a new baby that I haven't met yet, which is my only other first cousin except for one. That uh, my other first cousin were only separated by two days, uh-huh. so it's a very big deal that we have another. I have another first cousin. I bet that baby is probably what, five feet tall. I know he's already five feet tall. <laughs> five feet yeah. tall at this point. Full head of teeth, full head of hair. <laughs> Darby, our sixteen-year-old unpaid intern, is at what six six? How tall? Are you? Six three. Six three? Yeah. Is that Goodness. all you are? I know. I honestly thought you were six six. You it's s- funny we have Andrew McCain in the <laughs> studio tonight. He'll he'll be on the air in a bit. Right. Andrew, six seven. I was gonna say he's a tall dude. Six six. I'm I'm giving everybody a few. He towers me. He does. Yeah. Yeah. Watch your head, boys. Watch yeah. your head. It's a land of giants around here. <laughs> it really well, is. It, it's clear why you guys are not helping me. You know. Uh, pay my salary because you're not in my office. You're well adjusted <laughs> right. to the yeah. Christmas. Uh, but it is very Christmas stressful time. for a lot of it people. It is really stressful, and and it, interestingly, from from my vantage point, you know, people invite me into their you know personal lives, obviously daily, and yeah. and you can feel the level of stress building as the holidays get here. And from my vantage point in my office, I'm sure. Yeah, it's, it's fraught with a lot of stress for many people, and like the family dynamics you mentioned you you seem to you've got a great uh mental approach to it you embrace it you love the people for who they are right. like, oh, let's watch a little bit of the family antics and right. it's kind of almost entertainment that's the way i think of it yeah yeah, yeah. but for some it's really painful no. um and for some you know it sounds like you have a pretty healthy family dynamic and you've got an occasional kind of quirky person that's kind of the right. you know uncle clueless over here or whatever you know it's kind mm-hmm. of uh, it's novel but for others, it's it's the norm. It is you know the f- they had a very difficult maybe childhood or um, uh, family dynamics, and maybe they don't really uh, really communicate much with their family until the holidays come around, and then there's this pressure. Do you think the family stuff is the number one? I would say that is the number one. All right, let's do this. Let's take a quick break, yep. and when we come back, uh, I want some examples of like what because it's hard for me to imagine what sure. this you know crazy stress could be about with the families, other than the normal quirky stuff. Yeah, we're talking about the stress of the holidays. This is a very serious thing, and we when we left, uh, we were talking about family stress, right? And so Reed and I talked about how we have quirky family stuff that Reed kind of enjoys, and I kind of shy away from. But what are some, like, really stressful things that people would need to go see a psychiatrist about? Well, so let me, let me answer that a little different. So, so the, 
the number of things that people get stressed about about the holidays, probably the number one, as you asked, was family. I mean, it's probably the top. Um, but there are a number of things. There's money. Yeah. If you don't have the money to buy the gift. You're talking about trying to you know, find a gift, find right. the right gift. If you don't have the money to find the right gift, or if yeah. you don't have the money to buy gifts for your kids because you you know, just got let off from your job. And there's a lot of expectations around Christmas or holidays, whether Hanukkah or whatever the, whatever the celebration is. But there's a lot of expectations. And when people can't meet an expectation mm. that others place upon them, inherently there's stress. If I said, hey, you, here's a task. I want you to do this. And you can't perform it, yet you feel like you have no option but to try. Mm. It's, it's a frustrating experience, and that's where anxiety and stress comes in. Stress is really a response to being in a situation in which you feel like you can't change it or don't have control. And so, um, so money's a, a, an obvious one. Um, a lot of times, this time of year also is when people are actually really busy at work. A lot of end of the year things going on. So kind of like Darby with exams. Like Darby with exams. Kind of stuff, I mean, yeah. it's end of year stuff. You're just like, I'm supposed to be relaxing and shopping, and I've got more stuff at work to do than I know what to do with because it's end of year. I've got you know all these things to finish up or wrap up. Got to fix my budget for before the beginning of the next year. That yeah. kind of stuff. Um, the other thing about the holidays is each of you described your family kind of gathering. Well, what if you've lost a family member? Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Okay. That that changes now. Things. It's magnified, yeah, because now the emphasis of the holidays is family, typically. Yeah. And certainly on all the the TV, uh, you know, the, the ideal Christmas, Norman Rockwell, uh, it's a Wonderful Life, which is the best movie ever. And, yeah, you know, agreed. Totally, totally. Yeah. Um, I mean, but it's really about you know, it's it's very family, and so if you've lost someone in the family, mm. it magnifies, and I, that's probably actually the number one is yeah. grief. That's a great point. Um, over the holidays. Yeah. So, and, and let's say someone lost a family member earlier in the year, and they went through the grief, and here comes the holidays. It brings up the grief like it just happened because yeah. all the memories of the holidays now are coming to the forefront. You didn't When they died in March, you didn't think about Christmas. You thought about whatever, maybe, maybe the most recent events and memories. Yeah. But the way our memories work is that they're triggered by by contextual clues right and so the holidays bring up a lot of contextual information yeah so that's interesting that's really painful for people and that's not even in first year of dealing with the death i mean that goes year after year after year Bingo. you continue to think Bingo. about like oh but what if dad was here and what yes if? well like i just said one of my favorite things about the holiday season is the nostalgia and all the memories of like oh seeing this person and what they you know yeah that's a great point i hadn't yeah. thought about it's that sometimes really it's really painful it's about the family who's not there right hmm. right so yeah. a lot of people say well you know what do you do about that i mean how do you like for the grief part well, let's, let's focus on that a little bit more in depth so how does someone approach the holidays, you know, when, when they have grief? And, and, you know, the first thing is to help them recognize it, it's going to be a tough holiday. Right. I mean, you can't really candy coat it. It's not going to work to ignore it either. Bingo. You can't, you can't try Which to push it down. Which is what a lot down. of people yeah. try to do. They try to push it down. And so what I recommend for them is, is to find a way to give grief its time during yeah. the holidays. Okay. okay. And I want to come back to this at some point because I am really good at – compartmentalizing something a stressful thing and like blocking yeah. it out yeah. and just not dealing with it i'm really good at that is, is my brain gonna explode one day we can come back to that we're in trouble <laughs> we'll be picking it up <laughs> off the table but yeah. there's a weird balance point because on the one hand you don't you can't ignore that sort of thing but at the same time you don't want to give into it and become fixated to where the whole holiday becomes about it so you have to find that where exactly yeah. which is why i, I, I tell them to, f- to find a time 
to um, and, and ceremonialize the the remembrance of your loved one. Yeah. So pick a time during the holidays when you are going to intentionally focus on the the fact that they're not with you. And that way it's not kind of in the back of your mind all the time yeah. and, and intruding into other parts of the of the of the holiday, it will still somewhat. But it's kinda of like giving um, you know, um a, a, it's like a pressure uh, yeah, a valve or, a yeah. pressure mm-hmm. valve, yeah, release yeah. valve. You give it its place to be released and it doesn't try to intrude as much yeah. on the rest of the time. So I tell people embrace the grief but give it give it a focal point of time. And this then the rest of the time try to focus on making new traditions because mm. you mentioned tradition traditions are huge but sometimes the tradition brings up pain yeah and so i tell a lot of people maybe this year, maybe this is the year to go do something way off the map that something you don't normally do it's a good point like listening to amos the christmas rooster which we heard last we did. break except that eric tweets in and says that Christmas rooster song gave me holiday stress. <laughs> what? <laughs> what well, that can't be true. I don't think Eric knows that that was us, Reed. We yeah. sing that song. Well, and that song is not about stress at all. It's yeah. a, hmm. All right, so I would do this, and, and this is wrong then, because if somebody said to me, like, well, I'm, I'm not looking forward to Christmas, you know, all I'm going to be thinking about is my dad who passed away, I would say, look, here's what you need to do. You need to focus on all the great things about Christmas and really, you know, look forward to eggnog or this, these things that you like a lot mm-hmm. and just not really think, try not to think about that, but you're, that's wrong. Oh, see, I would, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, no, it's more about, you got to acknowledge that they're grieving and say, hey, yeah, this Christmas is going to be hard for you. This reminds but here's me. here's something that you might can do to help, that kind of right. thing. Reminds me of Andy Warhol. Um, have you ever read Andy Warhol's philosophy? It's a really neat, it's a quick read. It's interesting. But, um, one of the things I'll never forget is actually it's the only thing I remember from that book was that when he walks into a party, uh, if he had a pimple, it went immediately when he walked into the party, he the first thing he would say to everyone he talked to is, look at this pimple. Because it was the whole point was to get it out of the way yep. so that he didn't have exactly. to think about it. And he would take control of that. And that I think that's the thing there. Great analogy. Um, yeah. just, we're, I'm going to start using that. It's the pimple analogy. Yeah. Point out the pimple. And it's really, it's the elephant in the room. That's Let's right. talk about yeah. it. Um, and, and the same kind of thing is if, if you know someone who has lost someone yeah. and you're, you know, kind of figuring out, oh, do I mention it? Do I bring it up to him? Yeah. Yeah. Say, so, hey, you know, I'm sorry you lost your your dad. I know it's going to be a tough season for you. I'm thinking about you. Yeah. And that's all you need to say. That's all you need to that's say. That's the thing. But that way it's acknowledge it. Mm-hmm. Don't downplay it. Don't say, yeah. hey, you know, you can be fine. Well, my, no, maybe not. You might right. be crying in bed on Christmas Day. Yeah. I don't know. Point is, I'm acknowledging you've got some stress. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking about you, and and you can and that empowers them. So yeah, you know, I know you can get through this. Yeah, that's a good point. I started to get stressed about all this talk, but I, I've blocked it out. <laughs> I've compartmentalized it right here in this part of my brain, and not going to think about it. Yeah. Maybe yeah, you should yeah. just talk about it to us. No, right Darby. Now. No, Darby. I'm not going to talk about it. <laughs> so, so the next topic, maybe we should. Yeah. Time for is it? No, we're good. We're oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So the the next uh, probably the next most helpful concept for the holidays is people who have really difficult family dynamics and not just the quirky but dysfunctional but family dysfunctional mm-hmm. and maybe they really have spent a lot of their adult life trying to distance themselves from that dysfunction right. and family is not really something that brings up pleasant images or fun but yet they still feel compelled to go home for christmas because there's an expectation there's also, an expectation yeah. it's tradition right. other family members are going and for somehow you know it, it won't be um uh you know i'll be 
people aren't shunned gonna be able to, yeah. if I don't come back home. Right. Right. So I get into the concept of, uh, of something called boundaries uh, when it comes to difficult and pathological family members. And it's, it's difficult uh, for people to set boundaries with family members. Uh, it's easier to set a boundary with a stranger. You know, you see someone walking down the street and you don't know them. Uh, you give them their, their birth, uh, wide right. birth, and, you know, you may lock eyes, you may not, depends on if you feel comfortable. You know, you let them, you slowly let them in closer to your, your, your boundary, the circle that we all walk around with, right? But families members start off in your face, in right. your business, running your life with you, right? Yeah. I mean, parents essentially are taking care of you. There's no boundary. No. Initially, obviously, with your mom, there initially is no boundary. You're inside. You'd be right? dead had you had one. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. So the difficulty with families is setting a boundary. Yeah. Because a lot of times pathological families try to hold on to that relationship and don't let you become this adult independent-minded thinking person. I'm That's getting a lot right. of, uh, of positive head shakes around the room here. So it, it's it's very difficult sometimes to to make a boundary with family members. And so we spend a lot of time around the holidays talking about the concept of boundaries. Yeah. And if, we, if we got more time... So I, I want to I take detail. this break and yeah. then come back and figure out how you do that. Yeah. How do you set what a, boundary a boundary with family? Because, I mean, that's a tough thing unless you're a very, very close family where you can really be open... I mean, it's hard in any situation to tell, you know, to, to set a boundary yeah. with someone because it sometimes will take an uncomfortable situation, which everyone knows I'm not good at. So, um, <laughs> all right, let's take all a break. Right. When we come back, okay. you can explain to me how I could all possibly right. set a boundary with That's my brother. Right. I'll tell you about that later. <laughs> we were talking about stress with families. That's the big thing um, here at the holiday season. And you were saying that what people need to do is set boundaries with family members that maybe they feel uncomfortable mm-hmm. about the situation with. How do you do that? Because for real, we've talked about this. I'm, I avoid conflict. I, I don't like any kind of awkward situations. I have trouble telling people no. And yet you like do watch Dean and Company. Yeah, and so and Company. what is it? Just, just if we'll delve just a little bit under the surface, just peel the onion back just a hair. Right. Well, we can so, pull it back. So what, what is it? Uh, give me an example of a situation if you can. Don't have to be too specific. Okay. But of, of difficulty you've had in, in, uh, that it caused you to avoid confrontation. Okay. Um, people asking me to uh, support their, their donate time or, or do something for them that I can't do. I have trouble saying no to that. Um, guests that want to be on the show, we get that a lot, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. that we don't have time for. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's something that, honestly, I don't mm-hmm. support and don't think like, like, hey, yeah, you should get this out word out otherwise that's why i have darby for seriously that's no kidding because i you have trouble doing it and you and i discussed that and i was like yeah darby that's why i got darby he can help me with that um that's it especially i tell you this like if darby while we while we have him here if darby did something that i was like ooh, that's not a cool thing to do in the studio and told him like hey don't do that again and then he did it one more time then I would have trouble again saying, hey, don't forget, I told you not to do that. Mm-hmm. Like the stress at that point would be to, where I'd That's be like, too you have to talk to him about that. Too confrontational. Too confrontational. So Reed would have to go do that. Yeah, because yeah. I'd already told Darby once. Yeah, yeah. Wait, do you and guys have something to tell me? <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but Reed's going yeah, talk to you about yeah. You're really pissing Will off, right? That's right, yeah. <laughs> and that doesn't look pretty. <laughs> Reed will tell you all but about But so it. this does get us back to the whole idea of being able to set boundaries and to be able to tell people difficult news right. or... You know. Well, the classic scenario of what causes people angst is when they are concerned about how someone else is going to respond, like in Will's case. Um, and part of that is 
could be conceptualized as trying to control their reaction or their feelings. Right. Okay. You feel in. Remember, I said earlier, stress is when you're given a a, a responsibility or task to do that you can't complete. Okay. So if you are given the task of, in your mind, if you give yourself the task that you don't want to hurt Darby's feelings, right? Yet you want the behavior to change, and you can't figure out really how those two can be congruent. Mm. Then it causes you stress because you've 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 said to yourself, "I don't want to hurt his feelings," but you've also said to yourself, "I want to tell him not to do that again," and I can't figure out how to do that without hurting his feelings. So now you're in a, a bind. Yeah. Okay. You're in a conflict. A pickle. And, you know, pickle, mm-hmm. and you want to avoid that because it's funny because I love pickles. That's right, <laughs> normally. But so I've you, always described stress to me as, as well. I don't know how I've described it, but you say a task that you feel like you can't do. I feel like I don't want to do it. I feel like I can do it. I don't want to. Well, no, no. The, the ta- if you again, you can do the task, but the task on top of that task is you would like to do it without hurting his feelings. Yeah, and that's what you don't know how to do. That's the task you can't figure out how to do. That's correct. Because solving task A, which is getting him to stop whatever he's doing that's annoying the heck out of you. There are a lot of ways to do that. The second Conflicts with task B, which is you don't want to hurt his feelings or you don't want to for him not to like you or whatever it is that, you know, this dynamic of not wanting to displease people. This is a problem that Donald Trump never has. No, Donald Trump does not have the problem. He's not worried about not hurting people's feelings. But, Donald Trump, yeah, probably doesn't mm. understand other people's feelings. Right. Sure, yeah. he's not really empathic. He's no. a robot. The opposite of that. Well, See, and I'm too empathetic. We have a definition yeah. of people who can't put themselves in other people's shoes. Mm. Is that sociopath? Or is that well, sociopath? That's part of sociopathy. Isn't sociopath. It? That mm. is part of sociopath. That is right. There's another less pathological term for someone like, and he may. I don't know what he calls social. I don't know sure. Donald Trump, yeah. but for someone who truly only sees things from their point of view. We call that a narcissist. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. There you go. And it really is an inability to put yourself in someone else's shoes. It's 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 not that they are so in love with themselves, which is what narcissist is all about, right. that they can't do it. It's that they really have the, lack the capacity to understand something from a, someone else's point you of know, view. There are studies that show that reading fiction, because sometimes people think, well, what's the benefit of reading fiction? I have my students read nonfiction, but there are studies that show that reading fiction um, can raise your ability to your be empathetic yeah. because you see so much about these characters and you learn how to see yeah. things from their perspective. Yeah. Yeah. So back to setting boundaries. So when we give ourselves this task of, of controlling someone else's response, we've we've crossed a boundary. And so what I talk to patients about and people in general, not just patients, classes and whatnot, is we all walk around with uh, a, a term, uh, you, you kind of live on a ranch. And on that ranch, you're responsible for a lot of things. You're responsible for your mood, your behaviors, your emotions, your comments. Uh, you're responsible for you know your actions. So a lot of things you're responsible for. Sure. You big yeah. responsibility to walk around in being a person in this world. It's not easy. But you're not responsible for somebody else. And with family, we often feel responsible for the other person. Yeah, because those boundaries were crossed uh, inherently because of uh, of childhood. Yeah, does that make any sense? That makes yeah, perfect. So, sense. so then, so yeah. then, sometimes in that case, with with not wanting to offend someone, you've kind of you've kind of crossed the boundary of taking on a responsibility of someone else's emotions, like you're in control of that them. you don't have control mm-hmm. over. That's right. Now you are responsible to say it in a kind way. But you're not responsible if it ends up hurting their feelings, if they're doing something they shouldn't be doing. 
especially if you've made an effort to be diplomatic. Yeah, if you made it, that's you, what I'm saying. You yeah. do it in a kind, caring that's way. Right. You know, just just bring it from the heart. And that's why I tell people. You know, when because usually when someone gets anxious, they get a little bit kind of uh, defensive, and then they may it may come across as being irritated or angry. Yeah. And we've talked before about you know like at the ballpark. You know, it's like when when you do say something, sometimes it's like that you get angry. Oh yeah, yeah. So it's like you, that anxiety builds, and then it turns into kind of irritation. Yeah. And so you come across irritated as opposed to caring, which is really what, what you are. So, so recognizing and letting go of that control and say, you know, I don't have control whether it hurts his feelings or not. He's done something twice I asked him not to do. But I, all I can control is how I say it. So I'm going to say it again in a kind way and say, you know, Hey, Darby, you know, um, I mentioned last time I, I didn't want you to do that, so I really need you to focus on that, whatever it is. Um, and let him have his emotions. Let him be upset. It's kind of like the grieving person. Let him grieve. Right. Don't try to you, – so like with the grieving person, you were trying to not – you are trying to take care of them. Right. Hey, focus on what's good. Everything's okay. You were trying to take care of their emotions and control their emotion. Not in a controlling, like, hey, I'm in control of things, but in a concerning But it's still out way. of balance. Though. But it's still out of your boundary. Yeah. You don't have control over it. Yeah. Don't you think also, I was just going to say, this is this is also, I think, a skill. I know as a teacher, um, this is something that one of the hardest things to learn as a teacher and one of the most important things to know as a teacher is, is classroom management. And you're really bad at it at first. But you have to learn through trial and error how to say things in a way, you know, uh, language starting off with I instead of you or, you know, instead of using commands. It, you learn these little tricks of the trade that f- make you feel more comfortable giving that kind of. But, boy, it's tough. You've you got to learn I, it. I, I love no. you, Will. No. You said it perfectly. I mean, you, no. Reed, I always get, I always get no, you guys are, backwards on the air. Anytime I love you, Reed. <laughs> you said it perfectly. Our do that all the time, too. Don't <laughs> worry about it. Yeah. Uh, that, you're exactly right. Yeah. It's something you can learn. And so it, it can be taught. And so that's what I spend a lot of time doing is teaching. And yeah. in the aha moments, I gave a lecture to, on this, to, uh, a class on this to, to some, uh, just the general public. They loved the boundary conversation. And they yeah. went home and used it for, for Thanksgiving and used it for Christmas. And like, man, where were these tools? Right. Why didn't someone teach me these tools in school? Oh, I thought you were this- with the family members, all these tools. <laughs> <laughs> No, you're you know, right, though. I mean, people, wh- it's unfortunate. Wh- why aren't we taught that oh, as young goodness, people? Oh, my goodness. That yeah. is uh, social interaction 101. Yeah. It's terrific. Yeah. So, yeah, Reed, you're right on top of it. Now, here's one of the problems I have, and I think it might also be, like, a problem that Will has, too, based on what he said, is, like, when I tell somebody something that I think might offend them, I blow it out of proportion, like, what they're going to think, and they're just going to be angry at me. Mm. When in reality, like, if you were to tell me to stop doing something, I'd be like, okay. That's yeah, no you know, deal. no big right. deal. Yeah. So I just I blow it way out of proportion. Right. Yeah. That's that's yeah, what right. happens in my that's head. That's a great so. point. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll we'll wrap up with Dr. Mark Westfall talking about the stresses of the holiday season. Of course, if you have a question, this is the time now to get it in. Twitter is the best way to do that. At Lock Me Brothers, tweet at us, and we will ask Dr. Mark when we come back. I do want to go back to the fact that. Um, I seem to be doing just fine by <laughs> compartmentalizing and, and, and blocking out stressful things and just thinking about positive. Uh, you know, it's, it's easier to laugh than to cry at a funeral for me, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But not just funerals. Like any, any stressful situation, a lot of times I can 
deal with the important part of it and then not really let it bother me too much. I can hide it in the back of my head. So when we come back, I want to talk about why that's a problem because I really, I don't know. So far, so good. I've got, or, I've or got, some, in, I've got some input on that as well. Well, you're not the doctor. Let's, <laughs> let's remember we have, a, we have an actual psychiatrist that's here right. in the house. So we'll talk to him when we come back. All right, so we've been talking about holiday stress. The way I deal with stress in general, not I mean, really not in general. There, there are things I can talk about, whatever. But I'm just really good at being able to, again, I describe it as compartmentalizing something that can be a you know, bad situation and just kind of like dealing with what needs to be dealt with, matter-of-factly, and then not stressing about it, like putting it in the back of my head and kind of putting that away. I'm not sure I used to be able to do that. Um, I think now at this point in my life, I'm able to do that. It's not something, because I do, like, breakups and stuff when I was young, that they would drive me crazy. And they would drive me crazy for a long time. And I would listen to nothing but Elliot Smith and all that kind of stuff. But now, <laughs> I, think, I think now I'm able to, to just really, like, be a realist about things and not stress over stuff that I can't handle. You know what I mean? So, but from this conversation, it made me think, uh-oh, maybe that's not such a good thing. Well, it depends. I mean, what you're describing is a phenomenon we would refer to as suppression. When you when you consciously take an emotion and push it down, um, which is actually a healthier um, coping skill than repression, which is when you unconsciously mm. are pushing things down. Interesting. Yeah, you, you know, think. Well, what's the difference in that? Well, I mean, you clearly are conscious. You're describing it's a process that you you know you can almost picture it. I'm, I put it in a compartment over here, so you're consciously putting it over there. It is and that that's a weird way to think about it, but that's exactly that's not that's, a bad way at all. I can honestly it's a great description. I can yeah. honestly see almost this little box in the back of my yeah. head that I can put it in and yeah. just mm-hmm. not. Worry and if about you it. needed to, you probably could go over there and open that box and bring it out and talk about it if yeah, you Lord needed knows to or I would wanted never to. Would, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the point of the box. That's right, the point of the box. Well, and it's if it's box. working for you, that's okay. Yeah. Signs that it's not working for you is when your emotions come out at a time that surprises you. Right. Okay. So when that box pops open and you didn't know it's getting ready to pop open. So in other words, if something small triggers a large reaction, okay, you're like, wow, you know, why did I get so upset about that? Um, then that's an indication that that box over there that you stuff stuff in is getting a little bit overfilled and it's breaking open to to you know relieve some pressure and so that would be an indication that maybe you need to process some of that which you're suppressing and so you know you could do it through journaling you can do it through just talking to people talking to therapists whatever but you could process some of those things that you've stored away so that it doesn't really mount yeah Um, but in general suppression is not at all it's, it's not a bad uh you know way to go i mean you know that's something that uh, certainly someone in my field has to do somewhat of when you're, you know, talking about uh, really sad, depressing things all the time. I mean, you have to suppress some of your emotions that that are brought out by that or you'd walk around kind of, you know, in a in a puddle of tears all the time. So yeah. you have to suppress things to carry on. And that's what grief is, is it's to some degree suppressing that grief and, and continuing to take steps forward. But there's a degree of turning it off. And so if you shut it off and don't really give it its due time, then it can cause emotional problems. Well, and also, and this is something to go back to what Will was talking about earlier, you know, I I think my concern also about that kind of thing sometimes is the way it can lead to like this strange passive aggressive way of, you know, sometimes people do that and don't talk about something that's confrontational, but then it slips out in these weird 
sort of like strange little remarks that seem biting for like where like where did that come from and why are you you know and instead of being productive those weird little comments wind up being very counterproductive and and so that's what worries me sometimes about suppression is is how that kind of winds up slipping out is that present company excluded on that suppression (laughs) stuff well you know will and i (laughs) will and i know someone in common who you know has a tendency to to do that sort of thing yeah um and i think will and i've talked about that before and um you know where my take on that is like hey why don't we instead just like let's just go ahead and talk about this thing and get it out there and you say what you think and so that we don't have to you know go through like several years of these weird little strange biting comments out of nowhere you know um you know that's yeah, yeah. so anyway so so your approach is and and the, that's the other thing is people have different approaches there's no right approach it's what works for the person and right and yeah. so your approach is um you like to process things i'm very much a, i'm very much a hey Bring let's it out talk open, about let's it process yeah. it right now and yeah. move through it and a lot of my wives have uh, expressed concern <laughs> about that a, you know <laughs> a lot of and so that's understandable i mean and here's the thing i mean that comes with its own set of problems i very much want to talk about it and continue to talk about it until we get it resolved and, and then can move on and it's just a difference in our personalities too i just like to have fun i'm just kind of a fun person yeah and i only want to have fun and it's like <laughs> this it's is just stepping on my fun it, yeah, yeah like why are we going to not have fun like that if we're going to talk about something like that that's going to not be fun let's just do something fun yeah. but that's my thing is that we can't have real fun mm-hmm. until we clear this issue and guess, then guess who has more fun out of the two of us <laughs> <laughs> but who has more real fun that's the uh, i don't know that's my um that's my thing about it is I, I feel like everybody is really freer and easier if the issue gets dealt with. But of course you got to deal with it correctly because otherwise if you're not careful, it you know results in more yeah, issues. Yeah, yeah. Right. And, and yeah, I mean, there, I think it's a balance too. I mean, but if you, I imagine will in some of your relationships, I mean, to get depth, you have to open the box. I mean, you can have fun, which is fun. Yeah. But if you only have fun, then the relationship can only go so deep. And you, you know, it's a different level of of relationship when you when you share some of those emotions or feelings and process them. People, you know, who process with one another and come out the other end uh, feeling better about it have now gone through some adversity, come closer, and then move forward a little deeper um, in that process. So, you know, it's 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 a good point. No one right way to to go through life. Uh, Whatever you got to figure out what works for you. Yep. I'd say my way's right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good with that at this point. There right, you go. Stick with that. Um, always such a pleasure. Enjoy this. Hey, and, and no, thanks for having me. No oh. segment we do gets as many compliments as this. Oh, you're kind. Well, yeah. it's the truth. I mean, our friends talk about it all the time. We get yeah. texts and tweets and everything else. Certainly well, not I, playing I the Amos song. You guys are awesome to, <laughs> to uh, you know, help present just mental health and wellness to the community. That's well, it's awesome. so interesting to talk about. Um, that's the thing. And, and so every time we have you on, I always feel like, ooh, I, I learned some new things and some new things to think about. And, and it, I think it's such an important thing. I listened to a, a podcast recently, a TED Radio Hour, where uh, someone was talking about the importance of, you know, we're also aware of, of physical hygiene and the importance of that, but people don't think or talk enough about emotional hygiene and right. the importance of monitoring yourself and doing these regular upkeep things and monitoring yourself talk and all of that. And it is kind of goes back to what we talked about earlier. Why are people not being taught these kinds of things as children um, about how to have boundaries and how to, you know, take care of themselves emotionally? Yeah. Um, it's anyway, it's a very interesting, uh, there's a great Ted talk. Uh, I think Guy Winch maybe is, uh, who presented the Ted talk. Yeah. Uh, it's very yeah. interesting. Uh, I would love to, uh, be able to 
teach, you know, provide classes or make it a requirement, you know, health and behavior as part of your uh, yeah. co- uh, high school diploma. Just like, you know, they put, oh, yeah. uh, they put in health and science. I mean, the, um, you know, physical fitness and health right. is a requirement. You have to provide so many hours of that per student. You go, you know, everybody has their health yeah. class and they kind of laugh it off. Mental health class would would be so much more appropriate at that point yeah. in time. Well, why I mean, is that Most not kids are not at 16 aren't really focused on, you know, obesity and diabetes. They may should be. I'm just saying they don't really they didn't resonate. But if no. you say, hey, uh, you know, how's your relationship going with your girlfriend or how are you feeling as far as being included in the crowd? Now you got their attention. Like, whoa, yeah. whoa this is like what this is my problem now. Well, so, when you think about bullying in elementary schools, I a mean, great example. Why aren't we doing that from kindergarten on? You yeah. know, some yeah. part of the curriculum that's dealt dealing with emotional health. Because people feel good about themselves, they don't mistreat others. That's right. To listen to Dr. Mark Westfall live, check out O Brother Radio on Birmingham Mountain Radio, 107.3 FM in Birmingham, 97.5 in Tuscaloosa, at bhammountainradio.com, or on the free BMR app. Join in with your questions and comments on Twitter, at Lockamy Brothers. <laughs>